0: Welcome to the How to Raise Money podcast for anyone who wants to raise other people's money for a business or property venture. Right now, there has never been more money on the planet and there has never been more opportunity. This podcast will help you put the two together. So if you need money for your business or property proposals from banks, lenders, angels, whales or dragons, this is the podcast for you.
1: Hi, and welcome to How to Raise Money podcast with me, Ray McLennan. And me, Nigel Best. And we are here today to talk about the CREST model. Now, the CREST model is the backbone of everything that you are going to do when it comes to raising finance. Because, as the letter suggests, there are five levels that you must understand. So I'll do the first one. So the first part of CREST stands for credibility. Now, the credibility of the numbers is one thing, but the credibility of the team behind the people looking to raise the money is another. So if we look at property, for example, if you're looking to raise a couple of million quid to do a commercial conversion, then it's not credible to have your track record in buy-to-lets or a couple of HMOs. You're going to have to have someone on your team who has experience and can add the credibility to the whole project. So The numbers are one thing, you've definitely got to make sure that the numbers stack up. You have to have a financial appraisal that will show how much money the project will need, how much you need to borrow, and how much profit you're going to make. Because if you're not going to make any profit, then the whole thing's going to be a bit of a waste of time. And you're looking to aim for a 20% or more margin. Now, if you can get a 20% or more margin, the higher the better. If you're below 20, it's highly unlikely you'll be able to raise funds either from a broker, or from a private individual. So C for credibility.
2: Yeah, and Ray, just thinking about that credibility, when you were saying it can be other people in your team, I'd agree because sometimes you might have an element of credibility for one particular thing, but you might leverage someone else. So if it's maybe a step up in your project, I know we've had the question, um, who else is in your team? And when we've said, oh, we've got a team of architects, this is who we're using. People sort of go, right, okay. the fact that you've got them on board, I feel a little bit more comfortable. I feel a bit happier about that. So I definitely agree with you on the fact that it can be the credibility of your team as a whole. And sometimes if you're wanting to make that step up, you need to factor in how you get those other people on board and what involvement they have. So I think that's a great one, that credibility, make sure the numbers stack up.
1: Yeah, very good point you raised there, Nigel. Um, if you are lacking in credibility, then you can, of course, bring someone in. Now, I've had a number of people who've wanted to do commercial conversions, want to step up. They, maybe, you know, they want to do 10 flats in a block, something like that, under permitted development. And they can put in some of their own money. We could probably raise the rest of the money. And they can shore the team up by bringing in someone who has specialized knowledge of doing commercial conversions. So yeah, good point.
2: Yeah, yeah. Okay, now... I always think of Crest, Crest as a model. I can't get toothpaste out of my head. Crest was uh, fantastic for me as a kid. It's totally off the beaten track here, Ray. And I do apologise. But yeah, I used to brush my teeth with Crest. So Crest, I've been with, I've had Crest in my life for years. Anyway, we digress. R, the R from Crest is the return. And this is really, you've got to think to yourself, put yourself in the shoes of the person who you're wanting to raise money from. What are they looking for? they're going to be looking for a return and you can't ever say for definite what your return would be but you can use words and phrases like anticipated return or anticipated profit and you back that up with everything else as part of your credibility but think about what the investors wanting what are they expecting you've already mentioned their rate 20 plus 24 percent plus those sort of things That gets people excited and you've got to put something in front of an investor that's going to make them excited. They could go out and get 2%, 5%, 8% all day long, but they don't want to. They want a bit of excitement as well. So they're looking for a good return, but also think about how long that return is going to take to come through. So Ray, what would you say your sort of most recent experience, how long would you say people are, are sort of wanting to wait for that return?
1: Well, it entirely it depends. If it's a short-term loan, then that's usually up to a year. But most projects take about 18 months. So yeah, we would yeah. be keen to manage expectations and the lender would not normally expect to get his money back for at least 24 months if it's a property project. Now, if they're investing in a business, then that could be equity rather than debt or a loan and if it's equity, then you get your money back when either the company is sold or when it floats or if somebody else buys you out. But in property, there's generally a guaranteed exit, which we'll come on to next, but the yeah. return will be determined by the exit because if if it's going to be short term, then the return could be anything from five to twenty percent I mean it depends how keen. You are to borrow the money, and if you leave it too late, the later that you leave it, then the more, the higher the return will be. But generally, commercial rates are anything at the moment from four to kind of eight percent. Angel investors will be looking for anything from five to twenty percent.
2: Okay, so they really do sort of mix and match between how long it's going to take, what the profile of the risk is, how you're making that return whether, as you say, it could be in cash or it could be in equity and there could be a a further future payout. Is that what you're sort of saying on that one? Yeah,
1: I mean, yeah, there can be. Well, if someone's just making an investment, so straightforward debt, let's say, the investment is made by way of a loan, then they will expect a coupon, and the coupon will be basically an exchange rate. If they're doing a joint venture, then they may be expecting something higher, so they'll expect a coupon on the money on the investment followed by a share in whatever profits left. And that share amount will be determined by what's ever been agreed up front.
2: Okay. And so the return is very much key to attracting or getting the curiosity, the interest built up. But as you say, it leads beautifully onto the next one, because it's really about how are you going to pay them back? And that's the E. So away you go, Ray.
1: Okay, well, E for exit. So the exit is, yeah, how are you coming out of the project? So property or business. So we'll start with property first. If it's exit in a property, then you might be selling on the property. That's pretty straightforward. You buy it, you maybe do it up, and then you sell it on. It could be refinance. So you could have borrowed money from an angel investor. You've now built the building, completed it, and you've added value. So when you add value, you can now refinance at a higher amount of money and pay back the investor. It could be that the exit might be by way that you want to sell some of the property but not all of the property. So you sell some apartments, let's say, to pay someone back and then you retain the rest. It could be that you sell on a lease. So you might have a long-term lease and you can borrow against that. There's all different ways to skin a particular cat. So that's in property. If it's in business, then you might have borrowed money to do a big contract and when that contract comes to an end and you get some money and you can pay an investor back, it might be that you want to do a trade sale It might be that you want to go ahead and be one of the 0.03% of companies in the UK that will actually float on the alternative investment market. So the more exits there are, then the more an investor is likely to invest. So going back to property for a minute, there's a lot of people want to build apartments now in one block and rent them out as serviced apartments. So the exit might be that you're going to convert the block into serviced apartments. And then in some cases, if you've got a high number of service departments, you can do what's called forward factoring. Forward factoring, where you can raise an amount of money based on the turnover that your business will do. And that way you can pay back an investor. Now, the advantage of forward factoring is that you might be able to borrow the money at 4 or 5%. So you can still own the building and still get a lot of money out and pay an investor back.
2: Ray, would you say that investors prefer just vanilla exits, something simple, or do they like the exotic? All sorts of exchanges of equity and other sort of more complicated schemes. What would you say?
1: Well, vanilla is always good. Nice, keep it simple. Keep it nice and simple. But generally, an exit is just really saying, you know, look, we've considered a number of ways to exit out of this property. So, if any, you know, it depends because you're looking ahead to two years and you don't know what the circumstances are going to be like in a couple of years' time. But at least if you've considered them and you've considered all the the various exits that makes an investor feel better because if plan A doesn't work, then there are 25 other letters in the alphabet, as the
2: saying goes. Absolutely. And uh, I think that's really true. Again, put yourself in the shoes of the investor and think to yourself, right, if someone came to me, it sounded a great deal, but there was only one exit, I'd be a little bit nervous myself thinking, well, what happens if your predictions about the market change or if this happens or that happens? You've got to provide at least three maybe more I'd say on something like that but uh, okay next one in the crest model is S for security and this is really the security of the money that the investors putting in so how secure is their money what's it going to be if it's in property is it going to be a first charge um, is there going to be a floating charge or personal guarantees or shares if it's in the company so Typically, if it's a company, you might have a a fixed first charge on a property if you own the property, but then they might have a debenture and a floating charge over the rest of the company's assets. So it's what are you gonna offer people? What is there in there? And this is where sometimes property deals, the cost to get in means that it can be to purchase it and do the initial works. It could be a point where if it was sold on, if the project didn't carry on, you could have something where you've borrowed 500,000 and the project at that point is only worth if you had to sell it on say 300,000. So you've got to think to yourself, okay, is that gonna be secure enough for an investor? Probably not. And that might be where they pull in personal guarantees or do you have any other properties that could also have a charge put against them? Obviously you hope that the project goes all the way through. It should do if you planned it properly. And at that point, you find that the project that they're lending on, you know, it's the risk reduces, the security is there because the value is now being added to the property and the amount borrowed against it, that loan to value is dropping all the time. So there's quite a few things. What are people keen on, not keen on at the moment, Ray, would you say? In terms of security, well, everyone's
1: keen on a first charge, you know, that is the the holy grail, that is the Pot at the end of the rainbow. The pièce de Résistance, the Inimitable Cheddar. That's the that's the Grand Fromage, shall we say? That's what they want. <laughs> you know, everybody wants a first charge, but not everyone can get a first charge. Well, let's look at the structure again to go back to a property. If you've got a property and let's say it's you know a million quid, nice and round. Yep. Okay. And for the million quid, you're going to get I don't know 60% of that from an investor, so such as a bank or a formal lending institution. Now, why would we do that and not go to an angel investor for the whole lot? Well, because they tend to be cheaper. Lenders tend to be at market rates, four or five percent, that sort of thing, whereas private investors are looking for a bigger return so If you've got a situation where you're borrowing a million quid, you can get 650,000 at 4%, then that makes sense. Then you get the balance at a higher rate. Well, the person that's putting up the 650 or the company that's putting up the 650, they are going to want to take a first charge. So as a private investor, you might be able to get a second charge if they allow it. If not, then there may be some other security that you're going to have to look towards getting now that could be if it's a company it might be a floating charge over the company it could be a personal guarantee from one of the developers but personal guarantee is only worth it if the developer has some other assets and if he's got shares in the company well they can be classed as assets but first charge what everyone's after if not then second charge if you can't get a second charge then they might go for a floating charge in the company if they can get that great if they can't get that then they may also ask for a personal guarantee. So generally, the more security there is, the better. They want to see people with skin in the game, as it were. If it comes to a property, sorry, that's property. If it comes to a company, then the security is going to be in the shares of the company. And that's really all you're going to get in that respect.
2: And the more securities, the lower the interest rate you would hope to be paying on it. So it's a simple correlation between those two. So yeah, there we go. That's S, that's security.
1: Now, the T part, which is trust, this is uh, nebulous. The question of trust is, do they trust you to look after their money? Do they trust you to deliver this project? And that goes right back to credibility. If you've done something before, if you bring a team of people in that have maybe done it before, then they're going to feel like they can trust you to deliver. That's the main thing. But in the, I suppose, the property world, the property community is not huge. It's not the biggest in the world. And it's quite easy to find out from someone, make a couple of phone calls and find out who you're dealing with. Is this a business that has delivered before? It might be a new business, but the individuals involved will have come from somewhere else. So we want to see if we can find out and speak to people who have met them, who know them, who've spoken to them, and who can vouch for them effectively. So the more people that can vouch, the better. So generally, we make a few phone calls and chat around and find out who knows what. So that's the trust. Now, if an investor is putting in a chunk of money, he'll want to meet the developer or the person who owns the business. And the trust bit there is going to be when they meet and it comes down to a whole load of nuances. Do they shake hands? Is it a firm handshake? Do they like what they see? You know, all of that kind of stuff. So you can have all the credibility in the world, you can have a decent return, an exit, you've got the security in place, but if the guy doesn't feel he can trust you to deliver, it will be all over. Now, it's very rare that that happens, but it has happened. We've got a number of cases where it has stacked up, but the T part has let them down. So uh, yeah, don't underestimate the gut feeling of investors. They have a, they all have a, rely on their gut feeling.
2: Yeah, and one of the things that you've got to remember in that trust is it's a people thing you've got to get on with people and sometimes the bar will be set higher if they don't quite you know gel with you if they can't quite you know get on with you that bar might be higher they might ask for additional things it might be a little easier if they feel that they're getting on with you but one of the things Ray, at the moment we live in a very much a digital world social media all I'd say is you've got to be careful. Do not post videos saying, um, I've got this deal. I don't think it stacks up, but I'm going to see if I can blag it and get me you know, half a million, five million quid off some poor suckers or whatever, because a quick search may well pull it up, at which point your trust is shot to the proverbial. So be careful what you put out there, whatever you're talking about. People don't mind if you are new to something and you are learning and you are getting great guidance. But do not be tempted to put videos out there on social media saying that uh, you are just going to have a go and uh, don't really have a plan. Let's see if they fall for it. And believe, you know, it's crazy, isn't it, Ray? People do it. They do it and then they get a bit upset when somebody finds it. Uh, well, I didn't really mean it. <laughs> yeah, no, that's
1: a good point, actually, on social media, because an element of trust nowadays is your digital footprint. You know, if you're on LinkedIn and you're a property developer, and you've been on LinkedIn for a number of years, and if your Twitter feed is all about your property developments, and Facebook poster about property developments then that all adds to the credibility as well but if you're um, yeah, I don't know you work for the local council or your uh, you know you own restaurants and then you're looking for to raise funds for property development then the credibility part is going to kind of come down a bit there so good point on social media there Nigel
2: Thank you Ray always nice to get a bit of feedback. Appreciate that. And uh, I'm just thinking again on Crest. I don't even see Crest toothpaste for sale anymore. So I don't know. Does Crest <laughs> still exist?
1: <laughs> yeah, indeed. I don't know. I haven't seen it before, but I know what will happen now. As Next time I'm out, I'm, I probably will see some. And if I do, Nigel, I'm going to buy you a
2: tube. There you hey, well, I was thinking I wasn't angling for it, but I can hear it and I can hear the jingle now. How to raise money sponsored by Crest. <laughs>
1: Yeah, there's a bit of a credibility gap there, but never mind.
2: (laughs) Okay, right, there we go.
1: That's the end of the podcast. And uh, today's subject was Crest. Now, we'll return to this, and you'll hear us mention the Crest formula and a number of future podcasts. And we always will, rather than just chuck the acronym out there, we'll always remind you of what it is, which is credibility, return, exit security, and trust. So, thank you for listening. I've been Ray McLennan. And my name's Nigel Best. And you've been listening to How to Raise Money podcast.
0: Thank you for listening to the How to Raise Money podcast. It's made for people who want to raise money as debt or investment equity for their business or property proposal or empire. The website has all the useful links and underlying research, and you can get downloads of the checklists and other useful information. You can find all that at howtoraisemoney.co.uk. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Ray underscore McLennan and Nigel Best at positive nigel you can check the blog at raisingangelfinance.blogspot.co.uk see you next time where we can show you how to raise money there is abundance there is money enough for everyone on the planet the question is who has yours